Well, it's good to be here at camp. Um, our topic is really uh, about the gospel, and it's more than this. You know, Paul says at one point, work out the gospel with fear and trembling. Uh, and it's as though uh, he's saying, apply the gospel to every part of your life. See how it fits. And that's sometimes something we struggle with, is how, how does the gospel fit with my family, how does the gospel fit with in the church, in life? In, and so we're really talking about relationships in this uh, today. Uh, it, it, well, this weekend. How does the gospel work out in relationships in an important way, kind of at, at its most practical level? Does that make sense? And and most of the talking, the most of the, the the theology input is in this session, right? And then next session, we're actually going to talk more. We're going to have more of a discussion about families. We might talk about wives and husbands. That, that's no worries. The gospel's not required there, is it? Uh, and um, we'll talk about children. Uh, we could even talk about patience with children. I don't know. That that's you know easy. Um, Hey? <laughs> not relevant. Not relevant. Okay, irrelevant stuff. And we'll talk about even grandparents' responsibilities. Because sometimes grandparents think that their job is to give kids ice cream and nothing more. Not looking at anyone, are we? No. Um, and uh, we, we, we talk about things like that. But really, we're talking about the effect of the grace of God uh, on the Christian church today, this, in this, but, but in all relationships. Um, and um, I've got to be honest and say that uh, this material it has definitely in large part come from Tim Keller who just said some stuff which was really helpful for, for the theme of the camp so we're, we're pulling that. So we're talking really about one aspect of the prodigal son which is forgiveness and you'd have to say that there's a fair, fair part of the prodigal son is about forgiveness and we're saying uh, what, would it, what would it look like in our church, in our families and everything else if this was the way we lived? So uh, it's basically broken into four parts. It, it's, it's in the initiative we take, firstly, in, in forgiveness. That means we have to do something kind of to forgive. We've got to be proactive or something like that. Um, that we have to bear in forgiveness, you bear a, a debt and pain in yourself uh, that you can't forgive without knowledge of the cross and the Holy Spirit working in you and therefore there is a, a constant restoration and reconciliation that goes on in relationships. That's good of where we're going. But in forgiveness, you notice it says that the father uh, runs to his son and apparently the Greek says something like he fell on his neck and kissed him. If, I, I don't know if you could picture him standing and uh, he's on his veranda and he's looking out and he sees his son when he uh, was a long way off and his son had been rebellious, hasn't he? Like, you know, he's, he's gone off. Uh, I mean, whilst he's in another city, you kind of, his dad been watching on Facebook and seeing the parties he's been at. He's been seeing the nightclubs. He's been seeing the photos of prostitutes and all that. He knew his son was extremely sinful. And this is a son that had blown a huge amount of money, just like that, in a very quick time. And he sees his son and he runs to him. Do you think he's thinking, 
uh, his sons come to repent. I don't reckon that his son, when he asked for the money and left home, I don't think that was the first time he suddenly showed himself to be selfish. Do you reckon? I reckon he'd been like that since he was a kid. He was a younger son, and you know, younger children alike. Thank Jack. Um, and I was looking at the other Jack, but I guess everyone called Jack is a younger child here. Um, and he'd always been like that. So uh, he's probably not thinking he's running. It could well be that he's thinking he's coming back for more money. He's gone broke, you know, coming to bleed his dry a bit more. But it, what his father does is he runs to him and he kisses him. He doesn't make the son come and ask for forgiveness. Do you notice that? He ran to him before that. Uh, he just gives his... He doesn't ask his son to grovel a bit, you know, make him feel bad. Did anyone ever do that in relationships? You want to make... I, I know I'm going to forgive you, but if I could just squeeze a bit of blood out of you first, that would be helpful. Yeah? No, never. Okay, he... He doesn't do that. He goes to the son without a condition of repentance. Have you noticed that? And he embraces him. Um, Because God forgives. If you know Romans 2 verse 4, it says, don't you know, it's it's been talking about judging people and looking down on people. It says, don't you know that it's God's kindness that leads you to repentance okay now some people would say and I've heard people even preach on this that if you if someone doesn't repent you don't need to forgive them have you ever heard someone preach on that yep yeah it's it's actually a fairly common thing and it, they get the teaching particularly from Luke 17 which You can interpret that way. So we're going to read that. Luke 17, verse 1. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to sin are bound to come. Understand this. Sin's bound to come in every relationship you have. Just know that. Okay? Don't be surprised. Oh, no, he did that. Or she did that. What a surprise. Okay, these are bound to come. But woe to the person through whom they come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the millstone tied round his neck than for you to cause one of these little ones to sin. So watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. Now, it sounds like you've got to ask for forgiveness. You've got to repent. And, And so I've heard people say, so therefore, if they don't come and say sorry, I was wrong, you don't have to forgive them. But if you really think about that, um, that passage, it says, just let's not just, it's sort of out there really, this forgiveness. Let's think, what is an action that a person would do to another person? Steal something. Steal something. Okay, so let's put it like this. Jodie's stolen something from Rob and she comes back and says, I'm really sorry, here it is back. I'm sorry I stole that. An hour later, she's stolen it again. Yeah. She comes back, says, I'm really sorry about that, and he's forgiven. 
And then now, because it's signed seven times in a day, so we get, let's just say, you know, and stealing again. Let, the what, ram wouldn't have any tyres left. He wouldn't have any tyres left. <laughs> what if it was a lie? Yep, I lied to you. What if it was I beat you? What if, like, it's, it's all right when it's just a sin, some various sin. But when it's something real, because sin is real, isn't it? It really hurts someone. And then by the seventh time they come and say, I'm really sorry to be gone. Yeah, right, I believe that. And then Jesus says, forgive them seven times, 70 times. That's 490 times. So 490 times. Maybe it's happened over a few weeks, maybe a few months. Every day someone's sinning against you. What is their repentance worth? Honestly. Nothing, is it? Because the emphasis in this passage is not on repentance. The emphasis is on forgiveness. You've got to forgive. That's the heart of it, isn't it? Yeah? Before the son says anything, the father forgives him. Because we are going to be sinned against many, many times. And what's more, the Bible says, you know, I'm not going to tell the story of the unforgiving servant. You know that one where he owed the millions of dollars to the king and, and the king forgave that debt and then he went and beat up somebody else who owed him 100 bucks. And uh, it finishes by saying this, So also my heart, heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. That kind of takes it to the impossible area, doesn't it? It's not just forgive them in action. In your heart, forgive them. And I can tell you this, that story says, if you don't experience the forgiveness that comes from God, you cannot do that. Okay? You hear that? Not from the heart, ever. Because it takes, as we're going to do in a minute, say in a minute, the work of the cross and the work of the Spirit. Okay. So... When um, uh, Matthew says, uh, when you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. Okay, so when you go to pray, because if you, I, I think that one thing that really upsets our prayers is when we haven't forgiven somebody. Is that true? If you haven't forgiven somebody, you're kind of, your relationship with God's strained because you're not living as you should be. Okay, but, but we say and we are very self-righteous, we'll say, I'll forgive when they come to me. Because let's face it, they started it, they did what was wrong. Is that true? So it's their job to come to me. Yeah? No one ever says that. Have we got any? Yeah? So I'll forgive them when they come to me. And so you stand looking out and you see the sun coming and you say, well, good, I hope he's coming to say sorry after all he's done. Right? But that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying you forgive from the heart before any of that. Okay? And, and by the way, this, what we're talking about here is taking the initiative is that you should actually go... Jesus says, in, in, if your brother sins against him, go and tell him his fault. So that's someone sinned against you. And then in Matthew 5, he says, now, if you're at the altar and you remember that your father has, sorry, your brother has something against you. In other words, he, you've done something wrong against them. Leave your gift and go to him. So if you've sinned against someone or someone sinned against you, it's still your responsibility to go. Yay. Anybody good at this? Put up your hand. <laughs> Not me. Okay. 
Don't wait for the other person, regardless of who started it or who's to blame. Because, you see, um, really, the world is characterised, the world outside of the church, of people waiting for others to come and repent and to grovel. Yeah. Saying, I shouldn't have to be the one to do this because I didn't do this. You know, Jesus shouldn't have had to be the one to come for us, should he? Yeah. We had done wrong and he came for us. Yeah. Okay, so Jesus takes the initiative while we were yet sinners. Okay, so we get you understand what I'm saying in this first bit? Um, we take the initiative to bring reconciliation in relationships. We can't just whatever. Okay, number two, you actually bear the debt and the pain yourself when you forgive. Okay, that younger son had blown a third of the estate. Just imagine this, Rob. Fraser asks for a third of the estate and he takes, well, he's got to have a house to sell, so he takes that whole back section and, 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 and a third of your thing and, he, and, and, and there's kind of roads that are blocked because he sold that land and, and then you, you go to plant crops where you can only plant two-thirds of what you did and, and you can't get around your farm and, and everything's ruined and, and everybody in town is talking about this idiot Fraser so who's stolen all the money, you know, and uh, um, you actually, you, well, you lose more than a third of your income, don't you? And, and, and there's a whole lot of uh, shame for a family that goes with that, okay? And so... The son knows he's caused a whole lot of shame. So he comes with a preset speech. What is it? Um, you know, make me like one of your hired men. That's that sort of thing. Which is what he's saying in one sense. He said, I'm not going to flog your money again. Just, just so you know that. Um, and I'm not worthy to be called your son. So I have, I have no right. So he's come, come with this thing of repentance. And he starts saying that. And he starts grovelling. He wants to show he's serious. I'm really repenting. And what does the father do? He doesn't even listen to him. Doesn't even let him speak, does he? I mean, could we make up the debt we owe to God? Really? God, I'll, I'll, I'll make it up to you. <laughs> yeah. Could we do that? What a joke. Yeah? There's that time where David, um, you know, he's committed this the serious sin of, of adultery and murder and, and Nathan comes to him and he exposes him and then he, and he says, oh... Ask, you know, the Lord, forgive me. And Nathan says, he's already forgiven you. Yeah? Isn't that interesting? You've done all this wrong. You'd be dead if he hadn't. We come to a God who's already forgiven us. Isn't that awesome? That's, that's how forgiveness works. You see, we don't look at earthly forgiveness. We look at how God's forgiven us through Christ and the way that he's taken initiative to see how we can forgive one another. But that involves, as you know, the son taking a huge amount of pain. He bears our debt. Yep. And he does it while we were yet sinners, doesn't he? He doesn't bother waiting for us to... I mean. Do you ever think about our repentance? I think about my repentance. My repentance is pathetic. Uh, 
I'm sorry, God, for that sin I really enjoyed doing. I don't say that last bit, but that's really what's at the heart of it. Yeah? Really sorry. Yeah? Uh, And God accepts us through Christ. That's the depth of his forgiveness for us. Okay, so the Father doesn't wait for him to make it up. As soon as he, he has his little speech... The father's not listening. He says, get him, a, get him a robe and put the signet ring back on his finger, which in the signet ring, you know, he's back. That's the checkbook in those days. He, what, he gets another third of the farm. No wonder the older brother was unhappy about this. <laughs> he's back in the company after he's done that. Okay. Who bears the debt? In that case, the father did, didn't he? The father uh, took the pain and he brought... The forgiveness, which is the heart of, of forgiveness. Okay. Whereas what we want to say is, you owe me a debt, you pay it back. And when you pay it back, then I'll forgive you. Yeah? Mm, okay. Uh, have you ever, ever had the thing, and it happens sometimes, you have a little kid comes to your house and they break something of value. Yep. And, and the... And the there's two people who are going to pick up that debt, not the kid. Either the parents or you. Yep. And if you often what you do is you just hide it and say, don't worry, we'll, we'll just we'll suck that up. And if the parents see it, they'll say, we have to. Someone has to pay the debt, don't they? Someone has to pay it. And uh, God in Himself takes the debt that we owed rather than demanding it back of us. Now, he does it at a cost, a great cost, the death of his son. Hmm. Okay, but what, what we tend to do is, is this. If someone sins against us, we want to make them pay in some way. Just at least to have some pain, give them, if they've made us miserable, we want to make them miserable. Uh, if, if they've torn down our <coughs> reputation... Well, let's gossip about them worse. Let's tear them down. Yeah. But the father didn't demand that. As soon as he saw the son, he ran to him. And it's because, and this was something that Tim Keller said, which was really helpful. If the father had spent all his time in his mind beating up the son, then when he ran to him, he would have beat him up. Yeah. If he'd spent all of his time making arguments about how bad he was, then what would he have done when he got there? He would have given him a tongue lash. Yeah? But in his mind and his heart, he had spent his time embracing his son. So what did he do when he ran to him? He embraced him. Because he had forgiven from the heart. Can you see the depths of God's forgiveness for us? He isn't just saying, I've forgiven you, but pull yourself together. There's going to be a bit of, there's got to be something. There's got to be some purgatory or something. Yeah? He forgives from the heart. He, he, was, he is not stewing against us. Isn't that awesome? God's not waiting to get you back. Okay. In fact, he, in a sense, has run to us because he's borne the pain. Of, of our suffering. Okay. Before we repented, he's absorbed the debt. We had a Bible study the other night on judges and 
it got, it was quite a good Bible study, but it got towards the end, we got onto the topic of forgiveness. And normally when we talk about forgiveness, we're thinking about, you know, if I really wrote down all the things that people have done against me, uh, they're, not, they're pretty average, pretty serious, not much. You know, really, you know what I mean. And we had Tan there, who's come from Myanmar, been through atrocities. There's a lot to forgive there. And we had Jane, who's come from Zimbabwe, and uh, been through atrocities. And they shared some of that stuff, and it was a little bit tearful. And you realise there that forgiveness is really, really hard, isn't it? It, it has legs. It is... To uh, just to say to someone, just forgive them. Yeah, that's someone that you're talking about a pretty minor sin when you're talking about that. Forgiveness takes you bearing a whole lot of pain in yourself because uh, in some cases people have been really, really wronged, haven't they? And just to let it go, it's, it's not like that. You actually need, firstly, you need knowledge and an experience of the cross. You've got to have that. And you need the power of the Holy Spirit. Without those, you can never do that impossible thing it is to forgive. Does that make sense? And, it, it, and so it, it, this comes through this. Now, when it says, when some was still a long way off, he was filled with compassion for him. That means he was moved in love towards him. Um. Forgiveness begins in the depths of our heart and that's the impossibility of it because what we tend to do is we have we once bitten, twice shy, you know. Someone's hurt me, yeah, I'll relate to them but I will never go deep with them again. That, that's what it's like, isn't it? And so slowly in our lives, especially, you know, if you, if you meet old people, old people are generally really peaceful or really grumpy. And, 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 and knowing Jesus is what makes you peaceful. But if, you get, if you've spent your whole life not knowing Jesus, you slowly close down on people, you slowly close down in relationships, and you, you, you end up kind of being a 10%er. You live in 10% of your life. Because forgiveness really sets you free. Uh, but without, I'll say it again, the cross and the Holy Spirit, you, you can't live in the fullness of life. Because you're always holding back from people. You have to. You become uh, a shell of a person, really. Um, you, you, you can't open up. But the, the father runs to the son, even if you'll be rejected. Jesus came to earth knowing he would be rejected. Yeah? He stretched out his arms in love, knowing he would be rejected. That's awesome, isn't it? despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows. And that was promised 600 BC. So that was promised before Jesus came. He was going to be rejected. Uh, And that's the glory of God. That's the glory of his love. That's the glory of his grace. That's the glory of everything he is. That's what God's like. He took the debt that we owed and he showed the truth. And it's only when we know that, what he's done for us, in fact, it's only when we actually experience that and live in that and work that salvation out into our lives with fear and trembling because it's hard that we can actually get to a point where we could possibly forgive. 
Okay, so we need to forgive as he forgave us. Colossians 3 verse 12 says, Put on then as God's chosen ones. So this is for Christians. Holy and beloved, put on compassionate hearts, soft hearts towards people, kindness, humility, meekness and patience. Bearing with one another. See what that bearing means? You've got to take a weight from one another. If you're ever going to be in a relationship, you've got to bear the weight of of that relationship. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. So it's because of the Lord's forgiveness that we can live in that softness of relationship. You get that? Okay. We need to experience the forgiveness of God in the cross. And it's only the Holy Spirit who brings us the power of that revelation that we can do that. We need the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we're thinking we need the Holy Spirit to have a zing, like the Holy Spirit is a Double decaf, no decaf, sorry. Double full shot power hit V8 energy drink. No, the Holy Spirit brings us something far deeper than that, right? He brings us power to forgive. That's not going to come from anywhere else. That's the revelation and the empowering of the gospel. Uh, It's impossible without him. But with him, he does his thing in our hearts and he makes us humble. Who's humble in this world? The only people who are really humble are those who want to show off about how humble they are so they can get what they want from other people. But we are, we are taken down to this place where we are so humble that we don't hold resentment against others. Yep. If you ever stay mad with somebody, it's because you think you're better than them, really. Because you've got to stand over them. There's no humility there. You've got to be thinking in your heart, uh, I'm as bad as they are. That's come from a knowledge of the gospel, doesn't it? I I remember an old preacher once saying, and and at the time I was pretty young in my faith, and I was thinking, I don't know about this. But he said, uh, if you know the depths of your sin, you will never be surprised at the sin of another person. And I think, ah, some pretty horrible people out there. I'm not like that. Why not? Because I'm better than them, right? Yeah. But the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to be humble and not to stand over other people because he removes our pride, which is our self-righteousness. And then you can actually let your anger go. Um, Yeah. When uh, Timothy Keller said that you'll know that you're, you're still holding that grudge, you're holding unforgiveness in, in this. If, if you um, look at another person uh, and you'll be happy if they, if they failed, if they had a hard time. Yeah. If in your mind you bring up scenarios where they kind of get taken down a bit, you're going to need some forgiveness there. None of us do that, do we? Yeah. 
you know those scenarios. We have a massive debt that we've been forgiven through God. All of the forgiveness we show to others is a tiny debt compared to what he's forgiven us. The Holy Spirit applies that to you, then you can actually be humble and you can let people's debt go. So that, that would mean that, this is the last part, the church and Christians would be restoring and reconciling people. Because we know there is constantly going to be sin one against another in every area of every relationship that you will ever face. Okay? So if you're going to live in any fullness whatsoever, you uh, need to be applying this forgiveness again and again to every relationship. If you think about a broken relationship that you have, and we all have them, yeah, it'll be where you haven't applied this forgiveness in your heart. Sometimes you can be... You ever notice you have those people who you can be apart from for years, you get back together, it's just like we're old friends. That's because there's no unforgiveness in your heart. So the whole time you're thinking of them, every, every memory of that person is pleasant. But of that person who you haven't forgiven, every memory is dirt. And then when you see them, there is no relationship. In fact, you don't want to see them. But you see, what this means for us is applying the forgiveness... And reconciliation to every relationship. First and foremost in our minds and our hearts. Because if you don't apply it in your mind and your heart, when you see that person, it won't be there in action. It just won't be. Okay? People in the church will offend us. They will annoy us and they'll do it all the time. And we have to be initiators in bringing joy and reconciliation. And... Um, and not holding those grudges. Forgiving from the heart. And not being happy at other people's hardship and failure and stuff like that. But forgiving them. Okay. The power of the gospel causes us not to want to tear people down, not to want to pay them back, but to be diligent in forgiving. Because we're sinners too. Saved by grace. Okay. I don't know. If I think about the church, I wouldn't say in my... It's not what people say. Uh, you know, the church is the most peaceful reconciliation offering, offering community in the whole world. That's generally not what people say. There's a reason for that. It's not how it's been. But it is how we should be. There's, there's no excuse for that. Um, I, I, in my heart, I could name person after person who I just really don't want to see, you know? And I can tell you why. But generally, I, I, you, you, you bring down that sin. Someone has done one thing. Rob has lied. He lied once. It was, it was 2014, but I remember it. And, and at every moment when I think of Rob, that's there before him. That one thing. Yeah. And, and, and to, to, we can't let that be as we are because we can have all these people who have this one thing which we all do those same things don't we and we hold them before everybody but you see he has forgiven them as well as us yeah he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve he shows mercy and grace 
So when we believe in Christ, if, if God has forgiven someone's sin and we hold it against them, we are just stupid, aren't we? Really? Yeah? <laughs> okay. If you uh, have people who sin against you, it does cause great pain, but not sinning, uh, sorry, not forgiving them locks us in a cycle of endless pain. And we can't get out of it. You go round and round in circles. That person did that. That person did that. That person did that. That person did that. And we're stuck. Yeah. And forgiveness breaks that cycle and lets us to live a fullness of life. And that comes through the Holy Spirit only.